when I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 34. My name is Turner Sparks. My name is Michael Kaplan, Sir Michael Kaplan. Sir! In honor of Sir Charles Barkley, the fifth pick of the 1984 draft and number 34 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, he was before he went to the Phoenix Suns and yes. changed it yeah. to 32. Episode 34, you can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap, at Cap in America. In America, baby. Yeah. This week, we have Evan Blass. Otherwise known as, or formerly known as Ev Leaks. Formerly known as Ev Leaks. He's come um, out of hiding. He was once, he was once not, that's what he's known by, only Ev Leaks. He is at Ev Leaks on Twitter, and he's also Ev, at Ev Leaks on Weibo. Weibo. The Chinese Twitter. This guy it's, is It's a, our first guest who's been on Weibo. I gotta be honest, in this pod, I think he's gonna talk about a lot of stuff that I have no clue what it means, because he's a technology guy. He's a, one of the world's most foremost leakers of, of new phone technology. Yeah. All kinds of technology, right? But he leaks most, like, yeah, phones like Samsung, iPhones. Like he, when he leaks, he leaks before it's released, months in advance when there's rumors and people want to know when something's coming out. He'll tell you when the date is. He might get a picture of it yeah, before it comes out. Yeah, he puts it into, in the technology community. He's doing this anonymously for a while. It was a big scandal. We'll get and to it later. We're gonna get to yeah, we're gonna get to the bottom of it. He's an old an old friend. It's exciting, but here's the thing: if you're as uh, if you're dumb with technology, don't worry because I'm more dumb. Yeah. So I'm gonna we're ask. We're gonna really dumb it down. We're gonna really dumb Some it down. Some say we don't always dumb it down enough. Yeah. We've heard that in the in the fan mail. This one's gonna be straight <laughs> darn stupid. So, and last thing, thank you to everybody. It was a killer show in Sacramento at the Punchline Comedy Club. Thanks for coming out, Sacktown. Yeah. I'll be back soon. Love you, people. Let's get to Lost in America. Get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Cap, a couple weeks ago, you and I went, got in a car. Got in my old car, my Mazda. Road trip for the pod. We went to Philadelphia. Research. I wanted to show you where America independence came from. The homeland of freedom. The homeland of freedom. I wanted to show you the important sites of Philadelphia. What did I show you? You showed me, we drove through downtown a little bit, and then we went straight to some bar to watch the NBA draft lottery. Yes, the now, draft lottery. Out by the Eagle Stadium, the Sixer Stadium, all that. Yeah, now, if you don't know lodge. what the draft lottery is, these are, it was just, I mean. Let's dumb this down, too. Okay. <laughs> so, every year, the worst teams in the NBA that don't make the playoffs get into the draft. They get to draft college players. Before they draft, there's a lottery. They throw ping pong balls in a bucket. Yeah. They pick them out. If you get picked first, you get the first pick in the draft. Now, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, America is the only city in the world insane enough to throw a 5,000-person party just to watch, to watch this lottery on TV. It's watching, like, the actual suspense time is about the same amount of time as the Kentucky Derby. It's, it's like we were drinking and About partying. a minute and a half. It was like a minute and a half of suspense. And you're just, we're just, we went there to watch some, uh, an old white guy come out and pull an envelope out and announce a name. There is no game <laughs> being played. No game. 
The team well, the, season it, yeah. is over. Our team season was over. Both of our the Sacramento Kings were your, your yeah, team. Yeah, my beloved Sacramento Kings. All of our Kings. teams. Over, over. But we get down there. There's nowhere else in the world that I can imagine. I don't think this happens. First of all, they don't have – I don't think they have the draft in other countries. No, that draft is – it's part of my big theory. I'm going to write a paper about this one day, how America is the capitalist country. Okay. But our sports are the most socialist. Yeah. So – Because you have to go we have to whatever team just picks the, you. The worst team. I mean, also, for starters, the worst team gets an advantage every year. We reward teams for being bad. Yeah, that they is get not the highest American. Pick. Uh, we also have salary caps. Where like so teams can all spend the same amount of money. That yeah, you can't spend else in the as world. much as you want, right? Yeah. So so if you're a, if you're playing if you want to go uh, if you're a Chinese high school basketball player, first of all you wouldn't even be because you go to a specific school for yeah. basketball. You wouldn't go to like a public high school. Right. Then you just at some point you sign a contract when you're like 14 with the professional team. Yeah, exactly. And in America, we're not we're you, making you, you do go, education, play for free. Yeah, so you get money by the time you're 14. It might not be a lot, but you get some. You go to their specific school, and then you're just on their team forever until mm-hmm. maybe when you're 25. You get, at some point you can leave if you're a professional enough, but most of the time you just stay with that team for as long as you play. And if you're Yao Ming, yeah. when you retire, you buy that team. Yeah, but Yao Ming was in the was the Houston Rockets won the lottery that year. And that is why everyone loves the Houston Rockets in China now, because they won the lottery. Exactly. it would be like the Minnesota Timberwolves or maybe the Sacramento Kings. Or- and, in what, and in Premier League soccer, it's the same as in China, right? You just sign a contract when you're like in 15. In all soccer, they play the junior clubs. They sign, yeah, they sign these kids when they're really young. They play them on the junior teams, and then they move up basketball too. And, they, yeah, they do never. There's no draft. There's no they transfer. They sell players. You can buy your players' rights and stuff. And then in college sports in America, you're literally it's illegal to get paid. Not illegal, but it's oh. against the rules. Oh, you can't play for money. Yeah, yeah. So which that's, is insane to me. But anyway, so we were in, what were your thoughts on Philadelphia? Otherwise, we we went through Mr. Softy parts. You noticed? On the oh, way. I went through. I drove through Runnymede, New Jersey. I didn't have time to stop. Apologies Say hi to the old softy to my crew. friends in uh, South <laughs> Phil, uh, South Jersey. But uh, it's fantastic. I love New Jersey. I love uh, Philly. And then we went to Wawa on the way home. We were with, uh, with, with Weber. We were with he Weber. He insisted we go to Wawa. He was like, we were driving home. You were driving. I had a few uh, beers left. There's nothing better than drunk Weber, by the way. Because yeah. he gets drunk like once a year. And, he, and he's obsessed with finding a Wawa to eat desserts. Yeah, he just Wawa, eats desserts. Wawa is like a 7-Eleven. You're a 7-Eleven guy. Wawa's like a South Philly, South Jersey. Some people get in fights. Some people cheat on their wives. Weber just buys cookies and cupcakes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Weber does when he gets drunk. Yeah. Uh, and he was obsessed with getting to the place. So he's like, you're driving. You don't know where you're going. I was nervous because I didn't know if you've ever driven in America before, if you've driven in the last 12 years. I, and- drive, I drove in China every day <laughs> of my different. life. You guys were like drunkenly <laughs> overprotective. You're like, oh, yeah. But Weber Do you know was, which one's driving? Well, Weber's reversed? not confident in the GPS in the car. Weber doesn't so, know how to drive. So he's looking at his phone and he's finding the Wawa's. And I'm like, we're just going to He's yelling at you, get off here, the Wawa. We go in there. He buys every single kind of tasty cake imaginable. Did you like your tasty cakes? It's a Philly thing. They were He's making not you really. sample them while you're driving. So, you know, that was an experience. We were trying to get you the full dietary. Yeah. And, uh, but I think we should get through our guests. What do you say? But before we do that, Ants is an app, baby. They are an app. Ants in the I've app store. You can get it. Go to E-N-S-E. Search in the um, app store on uh, iTunes. And you can download five-minute voice recordings. Um, and then put them straight onto Twitter. You can put them anywhere you want. You can link them to WeChat if you're in China, if you're listening to this, to Weibo, Weibo. if you're a fan of Evlinks yeah. on Weibo. And uh, it's great. They're getting better every day. Ikram upstairs. He's working hard. <laughs> he's working. And uh, Nate and the whole gang. So, all right. Shout out. And maybe, oh, and one maybe plug. Maybe Evlinks will leak some information about Ince's next update. 
June 21st is my next show at the New York Comedy Club, everybody. So get your tickets to that now. Our last one was huge with Ari Shafir and Mark Norman. Yeah. Come on out to I'm that. I'm going to be at this one. You're I, coming. I'm there. Everybody's coming. It's going to be great. All right, let's get to our guest. Get to him. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're here with our guest, Evan Blass. That's correct. Or as he's known in China, the great god, Ev Leaks. The great god. <laughs> we all bow down to thee. We have come to you. We cannot say where we are. We're in a secret I location. location here. But we are not in Manhattan. We're not in New York City. We're not in the in-studios. They might be able to figure it out based on, our tra- based on the rest of this podcast, but we're not going to say anything. We're, we're on the gonna, road. Yeah, on the road somewhere. In the eastern seaboard. We'll and... You okay? So you and Kaplan are friends from school, right? Yeah. You grew up together. You were just saying, yeah, in yeah, Hamilton. from a very young age. And then at some point, the Jewish day school. We need a shout out to them. Okay, Fine, one of the finest uh, education programs. And it's, then it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> we and have then, some bitter. We still a little bitter about it. Our parents, and you know. Then you at some point became a um, leaker of technology information, right? Meaning fast forward a long time. Jewish day school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't We're even have, but we had payphones there. And but no, yeah. I mean, um, there, there's obviously a lot between elementary school and then. <laughs> we well, don't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> middle school. Should we go? Into but middle? basically, the the important part started uh, a couple years after college. I moved to California and it didn't work out, so I moved back here to the East Coast and I got a job at Engadget. I don't know if you've ever. I know Gadget. And okay. Gadget. Oh, and Gadget. And Gadget. No, I don't <laughs> know. Oh, we should say off the top that I know nothing about right, you're uh, very lost technology, technology in general. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> by by day I'm uh, a reporter, uh, you know, a technology journalist. All my coworkers call themselves journalists, but I still like refer to myself as kind of like a blogger, reporter, or whatever. Um, and um, so I started at Engadget, where you cover a lot of the world of technology. It's not just one particular vertical. It's like, you know, consumer electronics and robots and space. It's you have to cover a lot of, of different things where you don't know much about anything. And it's it's tough to be a generalist like that. So I'm much happier now uh, because after I left there, I started working at, um, fast forward a little bit, to uh, a blog called Pocket Now, which was just a smartphone site. And um, after having, you know, written, I don't know, 2,500 posts about all sorts of different technology, I was just so sick of consumer electronics. But phones have always been, like, my one, like, go-to. Like, What got you into, were you always just technology day one? You saw something, you're like, that's cool. I have to give credit to my dad. He got, I'm an only child, um, so he got our family computers, you know. I mean, we had, like, an Apple IIc, I want to say, was, like, and um, so... We've always had computers, and then um, I worked at in college. I worked at the the like computer help desk. So like if students had like problems with their, you know, we had like a computer bank, and then um, the if if they had problems with their individual machines, they would bring them in. So you know, troubleshooting for people really really boosts your tech IQ. What really got me specifically into consumer electronics was um, working at a consumer electronics store, kind of like. Not a super high-end one, but it was like a little higher-end than like Best Buys or Circuit Cities. I don't know. You probably remember it out on the West Coast. It was called Good Guys. Yes. yes. They got to be good. 
That was their slogan. (laughs) (laughs) We're the good guys. We got to be good. Which is like, yeah, but only because you named yourself that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And um, selling people electronics, you have to even like know more than than you do like, you know, working at at college. If you couldn't fix something, you couldn't fix it. You're still getting your, your five bucks an hour or whatever. But in the where I worked, it was it was all commission based. So if you didn't sell anything, you didn't eat that month. Wow. And well, if you didn't sell anything, you got fired. So then you really didn't eat anything. Um, but you know, I ended up uh, at by the time I left there, I was in the video department. You know, selling like big like TV packages. You know, this was this was right at like the dawn of like the flat panel HD, age. Yeah. yeah, HD was just becoming popular. The plasmas and lcds had just come out so that's that gave me enough of a background to feel really comfortable applying to uh, a tech heavy site you know that combined with computer knowledge that's like if you know computers and you know consumer electronics you're 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 good enough to work at a gadget blog for the most part because everything else like the robots and stuff no one knows so you can just kind of fake it and you had a writing background well i was political science major so after engadget um well, I went from there to a startup that just kind of like floundered. Um, and then after that is when I started to specialize in cell phones. And uh, when I'd worked at uh, bigger sites before, it was just like, you know, you, you do your writing and you cash your paycheck and it's fine. Like there was an ad team that sells the ads. Like, you know, traffic was great. It was always growing. It was never a problem. But then I'm at this smaller site and... You know, it's it's much more of like a small business. You know, it's like the owner is there, like working right alongside the the other writers. And um, so, the the one way to really boost your traffic, um, you know, when you're when you're a small site, is to have exclusives. I mean, you know, anyone who's in in journalism or, or does reporting of any kind, your your ultimate goal is to get scoops. And um, so that's really how, how it started for me was just the need to, to get exclusive content. And we, you know, tried all sorts of stuff. And we, we even, you know, started this program up where we, would, we wouldn't actually pay cash to people tipping us, but we would give them points for tips, which, and those points were then redeemable for, like, cell phones. So we were... Rewards bribe- program. I'm sorry. A rewards program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the type but, of people, and like you can stop me anytime you can't talk about. But the type of person that you might be asking for information, are they employees? Would they need a? I guess they would need a cell phone. I mean, they wouldn't work for a company that already had it. You know, they could get that stuff for free. Well, I mean, just because you know you you work at a restaurant, you can get uh, a steak for dinner doesn't mean you don't want uh, a lobster for dinner. Sometimes, right, too. I mean, yeah, yeah, company. I see. So. The one thing that I've learned that, that I will say is that the number of, of eyes and, and hands that are on material related to the consumer le- electronics industry are much, much greater than just like people traditionally think like, oh, you must know like someone at the company or you must know, you know someone who works for the carrier. And in, in many cases, that's true. But in, in many other cases, it's not. And you know, there's there's a very large ecosystem of of people who need to have certain information to do their jobs, certain material, pictures, or you know, access to devices. And you know, the 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 farther, the wider you cast your net, the the more likely you're gonna 
you're going to be to get people who are are interested in helping you and not as loyal to the whoever the 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 first party, you know, maker yeah. of the devices. Because they might not even work for them. Yeah, they, like it might be pretty chip f- maker or like the who's doing publicity. It could be worldwide. Or, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could, especially with these companies. I, I mean, you, you stop. You can tell me, <laughs> but if you're making cell phones all around the world, then it could be from anywhere in the world. Right. Could right. Be person in the factory. Yeah. I mean, everything now is is global, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're like uh, just a, a small Chinese startup. Um, you know, making phones for like, you know, just like the island of Hong Kong or whatever. You, know, you might get your marketing done from uh, a South Korean agency. You might get your printed materials from, I don't know, Vietnam. And, you know, so, yeah, everything's, everything's global. And, I mean, having lived in China, as a I did my research on you. I know you, <laughs> I know you didn't do it on me. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. And and so I'm I'm you know, China is is like I almost you could say the hub of globalization. I mean, yeah, it, I I worked at a I was yeah, going to tell you I worked at a cell phone manufacturing. Were you, company. Were you one of his sources? Can we come? I actually now? forgot I worked there until we came in here and we started talking about it. I'm like, oh wait a second, I worked for like nine months. And well, uh, my business partner with Mr. Softy, his main business was he started. Um, they made printed circuit boards for any cell phone, you know, any contract they could get. PCBs, we call them, yeah. Yeah, but did you actually not work everyone there? listening to this is going to know what that means. Hey, did you actually work there, or were you I'm like... I'm doing this for the audience, not for you. I have to speak <laughs> to my audience, too, because I'm going to be tweeting about this. Yeah. All right, yeah. great. Yeah, so PCBs. But did you actually work there, or was this just like a job you had to have to keep your citizen, stay in the country, have, show a job, or... Uh, sort there. of both, oh, okay. but I ended up just, te- he had me teach English to the people I worked with. Okay. Um, while we ramped up Mr. Softy. Okay. He let me like, he was like, yeah, you can just stay here, just sit there and we'll figure out. He basically had to figure out something for me to do. But, um, yeah, the PCBs. Okay. Um, but they would take contracts from, this was before the iPhone really took and off. And you didn't leak anything. I didn't know you what even that no, meant. I didn't know. Who was I going to leak to? I didn't know Ev leaks at that time. some points. Yeah. <laughs> and... What, um, okay, so when you, the first leak, I mean, the first source you got and then leak you got, was that, how many people, you said you were working with, with like a couple people, right? Yeah, it was just a small site, and, you know, we, uh, I mean, I I knew people in the industry from having reported on it, so it's not like I was, you know, starting from, from a, a dead stop. Sure. So why did you decide so, to leave and go on your wait, own, is that? Yeah, uh, yeah, go how ahead. Long, how long did that take? Um, so... So I ended up um, leaving Pocket Now when he decided to take the site in a different direction. And one of the problems with, with being a publication and being a small publication, and, and especially in that time, it, it's, it's a lot different now. But, but back then, there was, there was a lot of threats of legal action. And he, he had to end up spending quite a bit of money on, uh, on lawyers um, just to, you know, we were we were doing the same thing as as the New York Times was in in terms of like reporting on this or that, but you know because these manufacturers have um, intellectual property and you know trade secrets, it's it's a little bit different than reporting on you know political. Truth um, wishes, wishes he could do. What <laughs> um, what was your first leak? What was the story? Um, oh, yeah, the I guess ever. I would say that the first leak. Um, was uh, 
There was a, a phone called the HTC Inspire 4G. It was on AT&T, I think. It was one of their first... It was one of their first 4G phones. It wasn't an LTE phone. It just had like HSDPA speeds that were equivalent or they were high enough that they could legally market it as 4G. And there were a couple of these uh, phones like that that came out at the same time. And I was able to procure an image of it before it came out. And then we put that up, put a huge watermark on it, you know, okay. like like you could barely see the thing. Um, I, if you're really interested after the, the show, I can... Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, and I'll I'll bring it up on uh, computer so you can see the article. It's still up, uh, and it just it kind of snowballed from there. You know? So you put the watermark on, so everyone knew it was yours. The leak was from you. You you watermarked really for for two reasons. One one is um, is to protect your your IP. You know, it's a uh, it's a crazy world out there, and um, especially in in publishing you know there's going to be all different types of publications and and you know how how ethical they are about sourcing and and attribution and um if you don't have your your mark on a picture people aren't going to put a link to your to your story they're not going to say they got it from you yeah Yeah. so you're from the leak you're protecting yourself with with that and you're also advertising you know, because the sites that that are giving you attribution, they still have the watermark on there, and all their readers, when they look at the picture, they see pocket now, pocket now, pocket now, and you know that's what you want. You want to have enough of these leaks out there that they're seeing that pocket now watermark all the time. Eventually, they start thinking, well, instead of seeing the pocket now watermark on this on site B, why don't you just go to site A where the the leaks are actually coming from? Yeah. Okay. And and, and I took that and I I. I blew it up even more. I don't. I don't. I should say I don't watermark at all anymore. Um, I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I have enough of a name for myself now that I rarely, rarely get denied attribution, especially by you know a- any legitimate publication is not going to use any of my material or any of my information without crediting me and giving me a link or whatever. But um, I used to. I used to just put watermarks on everything, and um, it it it. It's, uh, it's helpful for advertising I mean, because my brand was the same as, as my Twitter page. Um, it, it did a third thing for me, which was direct people you know, right to uh, a channel that they could follow me on. So it was, it's just great advertising from that perspective. But now I feel like I, people appreciate the fact that they, when you can leak a clean image and you know, it, it looks like it would when you see it in... Um, you know, advertising or, or any sort of marketing. And um, I, my my philosophy on it has changed, at least for me, but I totally understand why there are, you know, other people on websites are still very protective of, you know, their, their hard-earned um, scoops. And you want to make sure you get credit for it and you get the, the biggest bang for your dollar by, by um, you know, getting advertising out of it basically. Yeah. What did it do for your the business you were working for when that the first one you did? I mean, was it an immediate like you guys your view page views went crazy overnight? It wasn't it wasn't the, a huge phone that that a ton of people were interested in. I mean, I have had leaks that that you know have absolutely blown up. What's um, the biggest I, leak? This year, I I leaked the the first really good solid render of this phone right here. Actually, the Samsung Galaxy S8. 
Wow. Even though the S8, this is the S8 Plus. I think I was just the, the regular S8 that I leaked. And people are still looking at, at that tweet. I think at this point it has 1.3 million views. Wow. It got 10,000 likes nice. on it. I mean, it was... It, the first day that I leaked it, I got 5,000 new followers just that day. Wow. Just from, just from one leak. You one start leak. leaking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get in on this? That's a great... Um, and you just broke something today, I believe, right? Is that a... Um, yeah, look at you using yeah. the, the terminology. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. I'm, I'm learning. Come on. I was doing... <laughs> ev- I, get I wouldn't even call what... what technically, what, what happened today wasn't even a leak because... It was uh, it was just something that I I found on a public site, um, and it turned out to be um, the real kind of leak part was the the person who uploaded it made a made a big mistake in uploading this video because it contained some very sensitive imagery. Oh, you saw it in the background or something? No, it wasn't even in the, in the background. <laughs> the thing is that a lot of times um, people who work in um, the creative fields, like you know, the the ones who are actually making phone renders and marketing materials, they they don't just have one client. They're not in house. You know, they're they work for uh, uh, a creative agency, a marketing firm, whatever. So they're um, they're not cognizant of when the products that they've worked with are are actually public knowledge. Because you know they have a bunch of different clients. They're working on different projects. They thing, yeah. can't track everything. So. I, I certainly don't fault them, and I, I try to be careful. If I ever find things publicly that that I know someone is going to get in trouble for, for you know having accidentally put up on their portfolio or whatever, I try not to link it. If I don't have to, I don't mention their name or anything. I, yeah, because why I just screw them over? Right. So it's ethical I, code in the leaking industry. I, yeah. <laughs> I try to be as protective of these people as I can because, you know, I think of if I was in that situation and how crappy I would feel if, you know, I had to tell my boss, like, hey, like, I just, like, lost us the, you know, the the HTC account because uh, I put something up on my portfolio page early. Hey, I'm really Someone sorry. saw it and took it. When did you decide? Because for a while you were going by a, a moniker, right? A handle. And then eventually you, and you were anonymous, and now name. you're just going by your name. So when when was that switch? Um, I basically this story hasn't actually been told before. So, but oh, breaking I, I news think, here. Get the breaking news music. I think I can. I can. I feel <laughs> declassify it. I feel okay talking about it. So, I I unanonymized my myself about a year into being out on my own. So after Pocket Now, when I was just didn't have a job except for for being a leaker and and make trying to make you know advertising money off of off of my feed um and um i um i i came out in an interview to a website called android police and i think it was like may of i want to say 2013 and the reason i gave for it was you know that i, I thought it was going to be inevitable that i got got outed and you know i didn't want uh I didn't want, um, I wanted it to be on my own terms. And, and that was true, but what I didn't say at the time was that someone had actually already added me. They had bought a website, um, something like, I think it was like whoisevleaks.com. <laughs> wow. And they did it under a false name, and 
you know, it was it was designed to to come up in a Google search result when when anyone typed in who is Evleaks, which I guess people were doing. It would say your name. Well, it would you know direct them to this site, and it would say Evleaks is Evan Blass, and it you know said all this like nasty stuff about me. It was clearly someone who doesn't like me. Oh man, I know it's just me to me. You you couldn't imagine that that people don't like me, but, but seem like a great probably man. Probably a but, former Jewish day <laughs> school teacher. But some of them do, or uh, or a rabbi even. Yes, yeah, sir. You're not going to get the. I I ended up actually being able to get that site pulled down by um, sending their the host a uh, a. DMCA. Do you guys know what the DMCA is? The Digital Millennium Copyright Act. I, it's it's a law that that uh, is meant to protect people who you know own copyrights and intellectual property. Uh, it was to protect the music industry, movies, and but you can also use it like if there's a picture of me out there, I, I own the copyright to that. So uh, there was they they used like one small picture of me on the site, and that was enough for me to to send a DMCA takedown notice for this this outing site and because the person who had put up re- who had registered the site and made it used a false name and, and false information they had no ability to um appeal so okay. even if my takedown had been complete bs i still would have it still would have worked because they they couldn't you know they couldn't provide the they would have perjured themselves basically if they if they had tried to appeal it. So why did you come clean then if you had this? Uh... Because it was still you know cached and you know Google Cache is still going to bring the site up for a while. I think it's in the 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 Wayback Machine, which is like an archive of a lot of old web pages. And it just it made me realize that you know I I am going to get this is going to happen. Someone else is going to do this at some point, and it might not be something that I have so much warning about and have so much control over. It might be something where it's, you know, someone else who has a popular Twitter account just decides to out me and, you know, at the same time give out my phone number and my address and, you know, my shoe size. Um, Before you came clean, though, did you have, like, close calls or people, someone contacted you and was like, are you, and you just had to deny it or... So, I I was never very adamant about keeping it a secret oh, okay. among at at the at the granular level. Like people I knew, you know, knew it was me. And it, it wasn't a secret, yeah. and I was I was fine telling new people. What I wouldn't do is is you know go outside with a megaphone, which in <laughs> my case was Twitter, and yeah. and tell everyone, or at least everyone who would care, which were you know the couple of people who followed me or. Or, you know, read about my leaks on different websites. So then, how did you feel after that? You feel like, was it just like, great? Like, oh, was, I thought it was gone. sad. I mean, I was, I didn't, I didn't decide to be anonymous because I was like scared of getting prosecuted or of people knowing who I was. I did it because I thought it added like a cool twist. Like, I knew, I knew I had the ability to leak a lot of stuff. And, I thought that people that it would become sort of like legendary. Like who is this guy who just yeah. like, who is this like crazy anonymous insider who knows like all these people can get all this stuff. And, and he just, and we don't know who he is. Like I thought it would, it would add to the allure, which would, which would boost the popularity. And I, I think it did. Yeah. It makes, did it, was it also with sources maybe do sources? Are they more, if this person's anonymous seeming, is it, I, I don't know. can be traced back to them as easier or, yeah. yeah, does that protect sources? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. I think it probably does. I, was, I mean, 
the best way to find anyone's sources is, of course, to, you know, you, you actually, I don't, why would I talk about this? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> But you're still, are you still gaining sort? I mean, you're still, yeah, you're still out there gaining new people. Who it's, yeah, it, has it snowballs. Right. Like Snowball, the more, right, right. the more well known you get, I get, I get like a dozen tips a day now, and you know, How many so people just send stuff to you. Oh, all the time. You check it out. Obviously, you can get more incorrect things if you get more. Yeah, I'm, I'm good about it now. Um, when I, when it was something that I was doing as my full time job, and I, I, you know, it was like make or break for me. Then I was a lot less cautious and. I'll be the first to admit, I put up a bunch of leaks that ended up being hoaxes. Like people were hoaxing me and they were elaborate hoaxes, but still like, you know, I was, I was far too trusting of people who just write in. Now I'm like very discerning. And, um, you know, I know that like, I, I have enough of, um, I have enough momentum at this point where I don't need to just put up like some like random phone that I've never heard of. Like, Oh, you mean this company's got this phone coming out, and, and I've never heard a word about it, but but you know it and have the uh, the render of it already. Like, it just I didn't use a lot of critical thinking, and the the thing is, especially when when you're 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 newer to this game, you you want these things to be true. You this uh, the too good to be true leaks are the ones that are like dynamite. And yeah. that you like hope to God are true because like hey this is like the scoop of the year for me, so yeah I don't I don't think I've had, I mean it's it's been well over a year probably even two years that that I've put up anything that that turned out to be like remotely um, even inaccurate I want to say because you know I'm I I take my my reputation very seriously and and. Not all my reputation, but at least... I mean, uh, you're doing our podcast, so it can't be that serious. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the one part of my reputation that's most important to me is my credibility. Yeah. Because that's all you have uh, when you're doing something like this. Um, it's the only thing that, that differentiates you from everyone else who's out there trying to put stuff up and making a name for themselves. And it's it's the currency that, that has allowed me to to be trusted by major news organizations like you know cnet and um even like you know some tv networks bbc um these they now know that i have enough of a history of putting up accurate info and that i'm discerning enough in in my in my selection of stories and information i put up that that if i say something they can they don't have to check it out like you can you can bank on the fact that if I if I put something up, you can pass it on to your readers, and it's not going to come back to bite you as as yeah. as being a false story. Just, and so much stuff nowadays, people just retweet stuff and without even ever checking. Oh, it's my, good to, yeah. my dad's emails. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, someone's crazy sent it if it is. <laughs> so it's good advice for journalism students out there to listen to. And then I, what were you doing? Because before we started the podcast, you were talking a little bit about China, and you have a Weibo account. What were you doing in China? You said you've been over there, right? No, I've never been to China. Oh, I, um, but I um, you have a following you know, there. I do, and. Um, I, I, I let my, my Weibo, as you call it, account. I call, I call it Weibo. I let it go for... Is it that right? <laughs> Weibo. Weibo. <laughs> for, for three years, um, I, I stopped doing it in mid-2014 when I, I took... Uh, I retired from leaking for a little while. Um, 
And I, yeah, so I, I thought you were out of the game, and then I gradually got back into game. it. It's hard, you know. It's 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 addicting. When you were retired, were people sending you stuff, and you were just ignoring it, or just saying I'm not interested in your in your tip? Or yeah, what do you do with the information? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I would take it and just pass it on pass to someone on. else. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Wow. Um, but yeah, it is frustrating because when you do that and you pass it on, you see the story blow up, and everyone's covering it. You're like. You know, yeah, damn, adrenaline. that could have been me. Yeah. You don't want to be on the sidelines. <laughs> and that's... It's hard to walk away from the game. Yeah. You know, I just hope I'm, I'm smart enough to be uh, a Derek Jeter and, and you know, yeah. walk away while... At the top. Uh, yeah. John Elway. Are there goals, though? I mean, like, have you ever broken, like, an iPhone thing, or is that like a... Yeah, last like a, year, <laughs> I, um, three months before the iPhone was announced, I... I was able to prognosticate down to the day it would be released. Ooh. And so it was a little nerve wracking. I was, you know, yeah. pretty confident. I wouldn't have reported something that big, but it got picked up everywhere. Like, you know, mainstream news sites and, and, and really all over the internet. And, um, you know, as it got closer and closer to the, the date of the, the launch, you know, there was, every, that's the one thing everyone wants to know is when can I buy it? When's the release going to be? And, um, you know, some days it would look good, like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the information we have now looks like the, the date you said is accurate. Then other information would come out, and it, was, and it was like, you know, with this new information, there's no way it could be the day that you said. So it's like, you know, it's, it's definitely nerve-wracking when, you know, you, you're going through three months like that. But I ended up being right, and uh, it was... Is there I, anything you can leak now <laughs> to us? And this is coming out in a couple of weeks, so we'll put we it out immediately. It. We won't, we, we won't leak your leak You've if there's something incoming in the next. I've already two weeks. given more than a half hour. No, uh, <laughs> I will. I'll end with with actually one story that's only peripherally leak related, but it does have to do with an iPhone, and it's actually probably the the moment I'm proudest of in in my career doing any of this because it was it was a real solid scoop. Um, and it, it was one that I found. I didn't need any sources for it. And it, it, it just struck a nerve with people. And what it was was when I was still working at Pocket Now, it was on the, um, the eve of the, um, I shouldn't say the eve, but it was a couple months prior to the launch of the iPhone 4S. And um, I decided to, just on a whim, uh, to look on Flickr. I mean, you know what Flickr is? It's yeah. a, a photo sharing site. And I wondered, I was like, you know, in all these photos on Flickr, I wonder if there's any that have been taken by this, this unreleased iPhone, which people at the time were calling the iPhone 5. Because okay. we didn't know at that point that they went, you know, 4S, 4S 5S, whatever. 5. So I came up with a, a pretty complex Google search that <laughs> used a bunch of different parameters to to add certain phrases, to eliminate others, um, so that it would, it would basically search the, the metadata sections of, um, of Flickr where, where the cameras give out their information. The of the picture, yeah. So I, I think I told it something like, I want a picture from, I want a, a listing that says an iPhone, but I don't want it to be any of the existing iPhones, and I don't want it to have any of the apertures, the, the f-stops yep. of any of the existing iPhones. And I, dumb luck, I came up with like one result. <laughs> and so I looked at the, I started, you know, researching the, the photo and who took it, and lo and behold, it was an Apple engineer. And if you looked at the metadata of the photo, 
where was it taken? One infinite loop, like the like, like like the cafeteria of like their main campus. But the best part was when when I looked in the EXIF data, I saw that although the photo had been cropped down to a certain size so that it was made to appear like it was taken with the iPhone four, the original it was a uh, it was made to look like a five megapixel photo. But it had actually been cropped down from an eight megapixel photo, which you know wasn't that was much bigger than yeah. the sensor. So it it was obvious at that point with all this the different pieces of EXIF data that that this was a photo taken by an iPhone engineer and he posted it on his Flickr account. And the the coolest thing about it was it was sort of like an iconic photo. It was like a beautiful plate of sushi. Nice. And it got um, I'll show that to you too when we when we uh, drop off the air because it was picked up by like CNN and Fox. I remember and, that. Like, I was gonna, I didn't want to cut you off in the middle, but I remember when this came out. It yeah. was just, it was so great. And it wasn't even like really a leak, you know, you, anyone could have done it. You didn't you need any sources. All you needed was like to be like a little bit like clever and have, That's you know, a genius, actually. some like some knowledge of, of search parameters. And, and so I, I just felt really good about that. And it has nothing to do with leaking, nothing to do with F leaking, but yeah, but like, nonetheless, uh, some like intel- so that's for any of our the government. Uh, I mean, any of our young kinda, leakers out there, yeah. they can uh, they can do it. Don't knock that Jewish day school education because that, that's pretty genius. That whole thing you just came yeah, up with. Yeah, well, imagine if I had had <laughs> half the day, had my half the day that I was you know yeah, learning a language and religion that I don't use to. Uh, I, you seeped in like the Mossad came into your brain somehow. That's how they would have figured that out. Can I uh, can I ask a little bit about uh, China and yep. the China technology and everything? All right, I'm gonna have to bill you for another hour. Though. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get into China and maybe a few trends that are. Well, yeah. What? Because when I was when I first got there, it was 2004, and obviously there was cell phones in general were pretty uh, basic. But then it seemed like it seemed like in the last couple years before I left, meaning 2013, 14, 15, people in China, expats, everybody was saying that people kept, more and more people were saying like, whoa, this phone, I have this Chinese phone, it's as good as an Apple or anything I can get anywhere else and it's way cheaper. Do you, is that true or is yeah. it? Yeah. No. I mean, especially here in the States, you know, in, in, in China, they wouldn't say like the, you know, Chinese phones have a bad rap because that's all the, that they were getting there at the time. So at the time, yeah. But but here in the states, you know, the the best phones were were uh, generally coming from Japan or Korea and a couple, you know, European countries like uh, companies like yeah. like Nokia. Nokia, yeah, yeah. Um, but Ericsson. As within the last four to five years, there have been a few Chinese companies that have have really refined their their manufacturing, their design capabilities, their software development, and their if not quite at the Apple level, they're like right on the cusp. And I'm, you know, talking mainly about Huawei here, but yeah. even even companies like um, Xiaomi. Mm-hmm. Um, did I say that right? Xiaomi. Shout and out Huawei. for Xiaomi. Yeah, yeah. Huawei. Huawei and Xiaomi. <laughs> um, those two have, and and then there's also a smaller boutique um, firm that's that's made a big splash internationally, named uh, OnePlus. Okay. Um, they're an offshoot of another Chinese manufacturer who's also has some pretty good design chops called uh, Oppo or Oppo. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, 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 I've seen that. So, so yeah, I mean, if if you were to have when you left the U.S., I don't even know if 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 the the carriers were stocking even like um, 
flip phones or like candy bar phones from Chinese manufacturers. They just they didn't have a good rep, and and they know it because they the the quality wasn't there yet. Even when I got there, everyone had like Nokia's. No, even Chinese people weren't buying Chinese phones. Really. <laughs> I didn't know anybody that did, you know, because it was all also they would get. Like, I remember I had a phone one time that had an antenna come out of it. There's always oh, yeah. crazy ideas. I, my first cell phone ever had that. And it was like a TV, but it yeah. only worked within the neighborhood or, oh, you know, get like the local TV channels. Yeah, that never took off here, the, the over-the-air digital TV for, for cell phones. Yeah, yeah and it was no. a brick. It was really sick. Well, they don't have cable the same, penetration the same in China, so maybe that would be... I don't know. Are we allowed to say that word on, uh, on air penetration? We I are. This is, oh, oh, we say it's a family say podcast, but it's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. not really. Um, yeah, there's no in China. Does there is there like at this point is the phone culture the same as it is here? As far as like everyone's on a smartphone, it's and totally the same. There's yeah. Apple stores everywhere. Um, everyone, the day the Apple comes out, it probably comes out. You would know better than I do, but it, I think it comes out the same day. Yeah, everywhere. China is 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 their second biggest market. Apple's and it. I should I shouldn't say it, but it, at least. Up until very, very recently, it, it was on track to, to eventually pass the U.S. as their biggest market. Apple has seen a little bit in, of trouble in China recently because the proliferation of competition is just so great there. The, the, the home um, country brands are, are offering better quality at lower prices, uh, but not the same cachet as Apple. Um, but one of Apple's problems has been for the last three years, all the, the phones have looked the same. And um, the, uh, from what I hear in the Chinese market, you know, if you're going to spend money on a new phone, you want it to like look like a hot new phone. You don't want it to look like you don't want people to think like, hey, you know, you might have bought last year's phone or true. You know, so yeah. it's superficial. Yeah. You want to show that it's new. <laughs> it's a big show like culture. Right? So they if curved or they gonna... <laughs> so if if Apple wants to really keep on that trajectory of of having China be be even more of a profitable market for it than, than the U.S., they're going to have to start um, iterating their, if not the features, at least the design faster. Like, the phones are going to have to look, like, hotter, yep. you know, smaller bezels, you know, flashier gold or whatever each year. Or if they keep going through these two-year cycles, these what it's called is a TikTok, where, like, the tick years are the are where they come out with the new design, and the talk years are the S years, where it's you know yeah, the sales go down, whatever. And then even though they claim that the iPhone Seven was you know a new design was a tick year, it really felt like a talk year it's to very everyone. Very similar to the six, really. Right? Yeah. yeah. So now there's a lot riding on what happens this year, uh, especially how it it it's um, received in the Chinese market because there's going to be three phones. This is not information I'm leaking you here, by the way. This was this according is, to our audience. We don't, we're too lazy anyway. to Google things clearly, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, this is information. So we there's going to be there's going to be two handsets that are more natural progressions from the from the iPhone Seven. I don't know what they're going to be called. They might be Seven S or they might be Eight. But then there's going to be one special handset that's going to be in shorter supply, and it's not going to look like the other ones. It's going to look more like this phone here, which you know. Is is almost a, a this, full touch screen with no bezels. It's the Samsung Eight, Samsung Galaxy Eight, S Eight Plus, S Eight yeah. Plus. Okay, and um, 
It's going to, you know, have different cameras, different features. It's it's really going to be a, a premium uh, marquee edition, and it's it's going to be the one that everyone wants. And because it's it's going to have an OLED screen, which are in shorter supply and and have lower yields than you know LC traditional LCD screens that are on most phones. Um, it Apple's hoping that they can they can make. I think they're probably hoping they can make enough to almost meet demand, yeah. but just enough so that you know people are still like hungry for it. If they can if they can achieve that that whatever you know balance that they project that they need, it's it's gonna probably push the company over the. If they're not already, the, the by that time they'll be over. It'll be like the first company ever, I think, to have a market cap of one trillion dollars. Oh my Jeez. gosh! I mean, I don't even know how many zeros are in that. It's so big. Yeah, I don't either. They need to make something special for China. That's what you're saying. I think yeah. that's what you yeah. mean by this just for China. limited edition. No, no, no. But it's it's not gonna be just for China. But they may they may tweak the distribution as you know the allocations to to make sure that they have enough you know they have relatively more of this phone for the Chinese market uh, than the okay. U.S. market. Perhaps I I don't know that for a fact, but thinking that you know. Customers in the U.S. may be more, a little bit more patient and willing to wait for it, while people in China, if they they can't get it, they'll just get something else. Yeah. And no. In the U.S., we love to wait in line for things, so people will have to wait at the Apple store. And- well, and yeah. China, I, I mean, I guess it's the same here, right? But I've noticed when I was living in China, people will get new phones all the time. Right. Like, once a year, men, like a lot of people, just like how they used to buy new cars. They in the do. 50s. It's crazy. They won't buy. You yeah. wouldn't like get a new computer every time a new computer comes out, but like people yeah. will get a new. <laughs> All right. Well, All thank right. you very much. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. What's your uh, just wait? Can you give out your Twitter. Anything? I mean, not that you need our help, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, people want to find you at EvLeaks or at EvLeaks, depending <laughs> on how you pronounce <laughs> EvLeaks. Ev All right. Thanks a lot, Evan. But you can also look it up under Evan Blass. Evan Blastic. Thank you very much. Legend. Jewish Day School. Shout out. Thank you to Evan Blast for being on the podcast. Yeah. I'll see you at the Jewish Disco reunion, Evan. We will see. I'll be. I'll Next come. Why come. not? Yeah, you're around to remember now. First thing in the news today, parents. This is from the Wall Street Journal, Kaplan. I got bad news for you. Yeah? What's that? Parents don't want to name their kids Mike anymore. What about Michael? The l- Now, I think that's <laughs> right in there. The number of Baby boys named Michael fell last year to the lowest level since 1940, Captain. Because my whole life, we've been the number one name in America. Yeah. Well, I'm you're not. One. How do you feel about that? So where are we now? You're very low. Um, I said don't ask follow-up questions <laughs> last week, and that's what I would say. I would say, but uh, I got a couple quotes from famous Michaels here. Yeah. This is from the Wall Street Journal. I'm distressed, says 83-year-old Michael Dukakis, <laughs> the failed 1988 Democratic presidential contender and former governor of Massachusetts. And then another one. I'm looking at some of these names now. I don't even know where the, the mothers get these names. Right. Added football legend Mike Ditka. Well, I'm seeing here that we're, we've fallen to number eight. So we're not, but you know, that's, that's not good. Because Michael, my whole life I've been proud. This is like a thing. Michaels are, we, we, the Michaels of the world. I was a member of a group, the Michael Kaplan's of the world once on Facebook. There oh, wow. five of us. Michael's a popular name. Um, I will say though, now that it's fallen, I'm excited because it'll, Nobody, none of the kids in my kids, there's no kids in my neighborhood named Michael. Really? None. 
Oh. Because everyone's named Aiden or Hudson. So now's the time to name a hipsters, Like you go into these classes, Keaton or uh, these all these kid parents are these, they give these kids special names. Ruby. What are we? Uh, <laughs> everyone's got a special name, and uh, you know, like the number one names now are like you know they're they're just Emma. Can I like say a, this? I think that my parents were on the front end of this. They train. were cutting edge. With Turner, Turner and Tyler and the rankings, yeah. Turner and Tyler. No one at that time was named Turner or Tyler. No one actually still is. The only people named Turner is anyone I'm related to. Uh, my my dad's frat brother from college, who's I'm kind of uh, that's where they got the name. And then my friend Kim Parks, who I grew up with, she named her kid Turner, and I was hoping his name was Turner Parks. Yeah, it's very and, close. But then she got married. Wait, did your parents just have to have T's? Was that their big thing? Yeah, because my cousins are Terry and Tammy. So, oh, they but they were in the back in the early '80s. They were the first of like this wave of parents that didn't want to do normal names, you know? Because yeah, they were really heading edge. Because our generation, I feel like it was all normal names. Like a lot of Brian, Michael, Jeff, John, John's, you know, David. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they go back generations. Like my dad's name is Bob. My boss's name is Bob. My old boss's name is Bob. A lot of Roberts out there. A lot of Bobs. My grandfather was High Hyman. It's a name that like. Doesn't exist anymore. It's been eradicated from the record. That is way faster out. than Adolf was eradicated. High is a good name though. Yeah, but faster <laughs> than Adolf. And, and but you go back in the old Hyman Raw, like every old Jew had this name High, and it's just gone. It's we that, that, that would be a good and, name and, to bring back. But, but one day hip, hipsters bring these names back, and then they get to a point like we have Teddy. It's not. It's it, that's it's a little bit hip. It's a little bit rare. Yeah, but it's not super rare. But I know for a fact, unfortunately, that in the third spoiler alert, in the third uh, Fifty Shades of whatever that nonsense is. Oh gosh. The third one, they have a baby, and they name him Teddy. Uh oh. So that's gonna when that when that movie comes out, it's Uh-oh. freaking over. That's for that a name. new Britney. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when everyone, all everyone, yeah. white trash named their kid Britney from Britney Spears? Exactly. Well, that's good. But in my what I was gonna ask you is that in China, you told me that everyone takes like an American name. Yeah. So, well, they have their own name. Right. So what are the five, what are the most popular names in China for American English names? Well, I'm not gonna ask you to ask for the Chinese. I don't know well, if you know that. Wong is probably a big one. Big one. Uh, but no, for when they go English names, yeah. What are the big it's English all, names? It's interesting. They all pick like the female, the women all pick the names of like what, like an '80s like travel agent names. Oh, like like there's a Brenda lot of Vivians. Vivian, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of Claire. A lot of Claire's. Oh, Claire's yeah, there are Claire's. There's Vivians. Denise. There is Shelley is a huge Shelley, one. Oh, yeah. That's their um, 80s name in general. And those, I would say, are the so biggest. So then Michael, they must, if they go to the 80s, I mean, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, there's a lot of Michaels that are dominating the 80s. So They do love Michaels. Um, a lot of people, oh, you know what's big? Um, Rose and Jack, because they love Titanic. <laughs> That's amazing. So everyone names themselves Rose or Jack. So can we start a movement, if you love the pod, Michael right here? Or Turner. Turner. Can we make these the biggest? Can we get these in the top 10 in China? I don't care about America. And we want, or Blue Shirt. Blue shirt. <laughs> That's a yeah. good name. Michael Weber, another mint. But I, what I do like about China is, yeah, let's be number one in China. What I do like about China is they're not they're not afraid to go off the grid. I'm not sure if yeah. I mentioned this before, but I used to teach a kid, and his name was uh, his full name was King of All Fighters. King of All Fighters. Yeah, but he went by King. Oh, King. You can right. call me King. All right. Yeah. So you know, I'm not gonna have a third kid. I can't name Michael. Jews, we don't name name juniors. That's not a thing we do. Oh. So I can't help here, but okay. I can just urge others to help. Well, let's do it in China. All right. Thank you, fans. Okay, last story, Cap. We're running just, out of time. I don't even have news. I just have, I got to ask you for help. Okay, what do you got? This is my local news. Okay. I've got a book here. I got it for my son. It's called It's Hard to Be Five. It's written by Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> okay. And it's a great book. He loves it. I read it to him every night. Stressful being five. Yeah, it's all about how stressful being five. So it's, it's a really artistic book. There's stuff in the background. And there's one thing in the background in one of these pages. 
and it says five around the world, and it tells you what five-year-olds are doing in countries around the world. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Yesterday uh, was Natalie Sparks, my niece's fifth birthday. Oh, so, so maybe I'll get her, her get her this book. Yes. Happy birthday, Natalie. Get it before this pod comes out. Okay. So she does it. And happy birthday, Natalie. Um, so I just want one thing I want to say first, a little bone to pick with typical America hating Hollywood, Jamie Lee Curtis here. Sure. For Amer- for United States, it says in the United States, a five-year-old is learning to tie his shoes. That's not, tr- is that true at five? I, I don't know. But in, it, it'll say in Africa, a five-year-old hunts for food and helps preserve endangered species. Okay. But yeah, the they also, what a five-year-old right, is. And they don't wear shoes. Yeah, ex- oh, exactly. <laughs> in South America, a five-year-old is helping to save the rainforest. They're running around, they're saving rainforests and. In Nepal, a five-year-old meditates and climbs tall mountains. What? This is what they're saying. In, uh, you know, in Iceland, a five-year-old mines for ice. So anyway. What does it say about China? That's what I want to get to. In China, and then the, the like, bed the kid sleeps in blocks the part. It, you can't read. It just says, in China, blank, 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 old works, blank, 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 her mother, blank, 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 rice patties. So what? I want to know if you that- could fill in the blanks for me. You know what that goes on in China, or if there's... Something more accurate. What is a five-year-old? I have a few to? things to say. Number one, Jamie Lee Curtis sounds like a racist in this. <laughs> She's just going with rice patties as the number one thing. She's going with climbing mountains. She's going hunting food for Africans. Does she not know? I was joking about the sandals. In Africa, they have cities. Yeah. There's a whole there's cities in every country. There's people, there's like commerce. They're not yeah. people aren't running around Africa hunting for food. I think Jamie Lee Curtis isn't that up on like what's going on currently because it'll say I, this other for Russia it says in the former Soviet Union. This book was written in 2005. She's like so a novice she, armchair liberal. <laughs> so At least do your research yeah. if you're gonna like say that America is the worst place on earth. And secondly, okay. So what is a five year old learning in China? What are they doing? What's a, what's a five year old life like? Teddy I wants to know, to and teach, Natalie wants to know. I used to teach five year olds. Not one of them was blank 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 rice patties. All right, they were all sitting around. Wait, well, one thing is that. They're one child. It's a one-child policy, right? right? Now it's two, but when, for the longest time it was one. And so they're incredibly spoiled. And I don't think Chinese people would disagree with me on that. They're the mo- and parents always say that. They go, ah, I spoil my kid, but I don't know what to do. It's my only one. And my grandparents and my wife's grandparents, there's six of us looking after one kid. You know? So I knew, I've sat across the table from seven-year-olds, my, my friend's ki- uh, nephew, who didn't know how to um, feed himself. What do you mean? You didn't know how to eat? Like with a... Like, like, he sat at the table, opened his mouth, and waited for his grandma to shovel moo- like food. Like baby food? Like the way you feed babies? Air- like, here comes the airplane. Exactly, <laughs> but the airplane was full of, like, regular food. I mean, I, it's so hard to get kids to eat, but if I try to feed Teddy, like... Uh, I don't I, know how. I wouldn't say that's every seven-year-old, but I've seen a lot of these kids that don't know how So they don't to- know how to use chopsticks? Yeah, because they're just so used to being, like... Just- uh, Teddy's ahead. So, because we were the other night, we were out for dinner at a Japanese restaurant... Because Teddy's really in uh, Asia. He says he's from Asia, so he likes to yeah. go Japanese. And I got him. It was like the most mind trick thing as a parent. I was so proud of myself. He ate broccoli for the first time, and he did it because of the chopstick. It was like a kid's chopstick, the ones that are attached on the end. Yeah. Which maybe they need to get for China to get kids more self-sufficient. They do have those. All right. And the he kid- wanted to play with it, so he ate broccoli. Yeah. Kids get these and kids. And a five-year-old in America, they I think what the problem is, it's not that they, like, they would have the ability to, but they have six Par- two parents and four grandparents around them at all times waiting to do everything oh, for them. Oh, so they wipe their asses and for them? And- it, 100%. I mean, like, literally. They do. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Teddy's he's very high maintenance. He probably would love to move to China now. So I know when Yeah, <laughs> He does not I know like when Yeya came himself. here uh, and to hung with my family for the first time, she was um, impressed by how my niece and nephew 
Can't do it. Went two ages I've seen like those two Sparks and four. kids. They're very self sufficient kids. At ages I, two and four, they were ordering, they're ordering it to, to restaurants, dinner yeah. for themselves, and everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's so, Tyler. He knows what he's doing. All right, Cap. Can I, I tell you one last thing I've learned? Yes. In Antarctica, five year olds are making ice sculptures and performing surgery. I think there might be some that's, tongue in cheek. There's, no there's no people in Antarctica. That's oh, ridiculous. Flaw in this you book. get lost, Jamie Lee Curtis. All right, and let's get lost. All right, let's get lost. <laughs> Secretly plotting your demise. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash the whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I want to make a super virus strong enough to cause blackouts in every single metropolis. Cause they don't wanna unify us So fuck it, total anarchy and can't nobody stop us You see, late in the evening Fucked up on my computer and my mind starts roaming I create like a heathen The first cycles of this virus like a sin through a modem Infiltration hits a station No Microsoft or enhanced DOS will impede Society thinks they're safe when Bingo, hard drive crashes from the rending A lot of hackers tried viruses before Vaporize your text like so much whiteout I want it where file replication is a chore Lights out, shut down, entire White House I don't want just a bug that could be corrected I'm erecting immaculate design Break the nation down section by section Even to the greatest minds it's impossible to find I want to devise a virus To bring dire straits to your environment Crush your corporations with a mild touch Trash your whole computer system and revert you to papyrus I want to devise a virus to Bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash your whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I have already planned. The, 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 the plan is programmed into every one of my thousand robots. We, we will not hesitate. We will destroy the Homo sapiens. I wanna develop a super virus Better by far than an OY2K This is 3030, the time of global unification Break right through they Terminals, burn them all, slaves to silicon Corrupt politicians with leaders and their keywords FBI and spies stealing bombs Dissipitate their plans in their face and catch the fever Everybody loot the stores, get your canned goods Even space stations are having a hard time Peace keep a seat to take our manhood Which results in the form of global apartheid. Ghettos are trash dumps with gas pumps exploded and burnt out since before the Great Union. The last punks walk around like mass monks, ready to manipulate the database or break through them. Human rights come in a hundredth place. Mass production has always been number one. New Earth has become a repugnant place, so it's time to spread the fear that's fun to some. How long have we tried to extend our glorious empire out to the stars? Devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash the whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash the whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>